Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, the ultimate destination for principals, leaders, and educators. That's right. We're diving deep into the important stuff, the ups and downs of mental health, the secrets to managing stress effectively, figuring out that elusive work-life balance, and mastering the art of being an effective leader. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embark on an incredible journey with us as we explore the fascinating world of life and leadership. So whether you're a principal, leader, a busy parent, educator, or someone on a mission to make a positive impact in the world, this podcast is for you. The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. Hey, I'm Dr. Ryan B. Jackson, a.k.a. Dr. J. It is my honor, my privilege to be hanging with two principals today. Well, that was above and beyond. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you went way. Yeah. So, hey, how, how, how often are you on the road? Are you off Man, on, it's, are you on the it road? Just, it just depends. Um, I'm actually, I'm pretty selective now. Um, and I, man, we can get into that as much as you want to talk about. But yeah, I do have a nine-year-old son. I also lead a nonprofit here. I'm executive director in Middle Tennessee. Yeah. I do do the yeah. keynote speaking. I also do a lot of work connecting industry to education throughout the U.S. So, but I, I preface all that to say, man, I transitioned out of the principalship into these different spaces I'm in right now for, for one big reason. And that was my son was diagnosed inattentive ADHD and dyslexic and this third okay. grade reading retention law was coming. And, and man, I had to make a hard pivot, man, make some just honest decisions for our family. And that being said, it would it was going to defeat the purpose to then turn it into this road warrior journey for me while I was also trying to combat this other thing. So I'm pretty sure, sure. man, you know, I've, you could say once a month, but sometimes it's more than that. And sometimes I'm just yeah. less than that. How do you do what, what do you, you know, you thinking about the principalship, like the, what do you miss about that? And, or, you know, I mean, I you definitely, you got, you got the why behind why you did it. And that, that to me is, you know, your family, your kid's always going to come you know, going to come first, but you missed part of the principalship. Oh, hundred percent. You know, I was with uh, last night, we kicked off a, a new challenge that my, you know, that my nonprofit is sponsoring with a, a major real estate group here in middle Tennessee and the Columbia, Tennessee mayor's youth council. So that's kind of the players, it's a big challenge, water conservation, the duck river biodiversity. I mean, lots of excitement. So I'm there to help kick it off. And it's this, consortium of kids all throughout the county of Murray County. So public, private, just tons of different kids. And I'm there kind of leading this. And man, it just took me back like instantly in that moment to your question. You know, it's just the energy of kids, man. It, hands down. I just miss that. You know, there wh whether it's a wild question you weren't ready for, just whether it, <laughs> man, they're into it and that was cool and you weren't expecting that. Man, I just, I miss the the serendipitousness that comes with being in that those spaces. Man, I think part of me, if I'm just being honest, you know, I miss sort of the stress addiction. I miss the, the, the addiction to solving problems and helping people that comes with a lot of that. You know, you, you strip all that away and you, 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 man, you're like, man, what's my purpose here? What, what am I doing? It's <laughs> months, fellas, to kind of recalibrate, like I'm sure. something else besides that, you know, I had to. I had to really kind of do a deep dive, but man, I miss the energy of kids, man. As cliche as, as that can sound at times, I, mean, I just miss being around young people, my energy they bring. That's awesome. Hey, Kev, you ready? Are you ready to rock and roll today? I'm ready. Just as always, let's work on raising that frequency today. Hey, let's, let's go spread some good on the podcast universe. Hey, episode 2P57, excited 
to be checking in with you today. Excited to have Dr. Ryan Jackson on the show today. Some of you know him from the Underdog Advocate or the Fit Leaders. Hey, I'm Jason Paris. I'm Kevin Jost. Hey, and we are the two principals. Hey, if this is your first time tuning into the 2P Pod, we appreciate you checking us out. If you have been here before, welcome back. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate our show and spread the word to your friends about the message that we are putting out there. So thanks for tuning in today. Yeah, we are just two living, breathing principals hanging out, enjoying life, and on a mission to get better at what we do every day. KJ and I are on our journey, and hopefully you're on your journey to a healthier and happier you, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. Hey, uh, if you want to check us out, check us out on the web, twoprinciples.com. That's where you'll also find our blog. We put a little Sunday blog out once a week just on just physical health, mental health, just being a better person, better leader. It helps Kevin and I out, and hopefully it helps you out. And you can also always follow us on all our social media platforms. So, Hey, Ryan, what is your walk-up song? I'm excited to hear a fitness guru guy tell me his walk-up song today. Man, you know, for me, great question. And um, I'm a big baseball guy. You know, I'm a Chicago Cubs baseball fan, long-suffering Cubs fan. And, you know, I, so when you pose that question, I just I just love that idea of, you know, walking from the, uh, the on-deck circle, man, into there with that stick, you know. So for me, it's got to be Metallica's Whom the Bell Toll. That's that draw that line in the sand. You know, whoever won it, come get it, man, because I'm bringing that heat today, that thunder. Oh, there it is, man. How That's a good you, one. I know. They talk about, like, just firing you up, like yeah. you said, getting pumped up. Right. Uh, like Dr. Ryan. You come crashing to that door. I'm going to let this play a little bit as I kind of kind of introduce him a little bit. Like you said, yeah. we are excited to have Dr. Ryan Jackson on the show today. Ryan has served in public education for over 15 years in both urban and rural schools, was named Principal of the Year in Murray County, and a finalist for a Tennessee Principal of the Year. Dr. Jackson has presented his work in a TED Talk and in keynote speeches to district leaders across the U.S., his passion is serving the underdog, ensuring all students have access to a high-quality education and purposeful, lucrative post-secondary opportunities. He currently is a leadership and education consultant, keynote speaker, fitness enthusiast, and proud husband and dad. It's always great to learn from others, and today we are doing that with Ryan. So, Ryan, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the Two Principles show today. Man, the two peas pod. I love that. I love being framed that, man. That was really cool. The two peas pod. It's my honor to be on here, fellas. Thank you for having me, truly. Awesome. Can't wait. Hey, uh, we always do a random question of the show. And today's question, we're going to talk comfort food. You know, it's January. Sometimes, you know, you, you get in the, the doldrums of, you know, I know you're in Tennessee there. We're in Minnesota. And I'm looking, at, uh, I'm here at a HealthWise studio here, but I'm looking out the window and I'm, I'm looking at snow, but um, uh, comfort food, what, what's your favorite comfort food and why does it bring you comfort? Man, I'm going to answer that one super fast, I think. So right now my wife and I are on this cheat day deal, right? Where we're, we've been super yep. strict on our diets and we'll do that six days a week. So we've identified Fridays as our cheat day where we can just ball out, man, eat whatever we want. <laughs> Two bowls of Captain Crunch if I want to. <laughs> And it's because we were just joking about this, hey, cheat day's coming up and we just started this. So I'm thinking, well, 
I'm hitting the Chinese buffet, man. I, oh, for me, yeah. and I can tie it back to childhood, man. You know, I was in a you know broken home kind of deal, and every other weekend I go be with my dad and granddad would take us out, and it was always either the Chinese buffet or the Godfather's pizza buffet. There was oh yeah, was <laughs> one of those two things, but just Chinese buffet, man, and I loved it, still love it to this day. It's a guilty pleasure. You know, my nine-year-old, man, we'll go in there and crush that place, man. We'll shut it down if we have to. <laughs> That's good. Definitely going to be Chinese buffet it. for me. Kevin, what about you? What I'm going to go with pizza, uh, any any type of pizza. Just, yeah, I, I, I got I can never turn it down pizza. Yeah, I, you know, you both of you guys say that the Chinese food, the pizza, I can do that. I just give me some good, like, uh, masticcioli, manicotti, mm-hmm. pasta. Pasta's you good. You know, yeah. let me just kind of come and just soak my uh, <laughs> my mouth into that a little bit. You know, look, so, look, look, hey, look, fun fact about my wife. My wife, born in Malawi, Africa, she moved here three years old. Just beautiful person, man, inside and out. She, she herself is a teacher, 18 year veteran, still in the game. But when she, when we first met, we're hooking up. It's a pretty dark time in my life, man. It's like 2010. And I had this little condo that I was renting out, dirt cheap, unfurnished. I don't have nothing in it, man. And it's maybe second or third date. And the first couple had went okay. And the first one was, man, us sitting on the floor with a pack of tall boys. And there's nothing else in this place. <laughs> so by, by, date, by date three, and mind you, man, I didn't have any stuff, dude. I didn't have pot. There's no, no embellishments, man. I had, didn't have a strainer. So she comes over to cook for me, dude. And she has to bring everything, okay? I mean, like, literally the utensils. And, man, in this crummy condo I had, man, dirt broke, flat broke. She made me these stuffed shells, you know, mm. all just, I mean, uh. next level cooking in a place you shouldn't be making this meal in. So when you said that, it just took me back to that yeah. uh. moment of, of, I now know what love oh. is, man, and what it tastes like. Yeah, there you go. I you you must have been pretty impressive. Yeah, well, you know, so, so, so come to bring that story full circle, you know, recently we're sitting at my in-laws table and her dad makes this comment, you know, about, uh, he kind of let the cat out of the bag. I guess she had done this. She was known for this. Like when she likes someone, okay, this meal. So he brings her uh, at dinner, you know, so when did you cook for him? And that turned into, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? stuff shells for him that's yeah man i i was it i was bona fide after that like i want that's that's awesome that's a good story that's a good story well let's jump into your story speaking of that um why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself how you got into your current position um just kind of give us a a a high level view of how you ended up where you're at right now man absolutely my name is dr ryan jackson born in 1979 and i won't give you all the gory details leading up until now but i lived in evansville indiana for the majority of my life and wanted to be a filmmaker so i'm in undergrad at the time business administration focus um, i'm the producer on a particular film that we're trying to raise funds for all right now, where I'm where I am in Indiana is at the bottom of the boot, city called Evansville, very bottom of the map. And the closest place with production facilities, actors was Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. In fact, in the 90s, Nashville was like the second Hollywood. I mean, 90% of music videos were being shot in Nashville at that time. So two guys that were a couple years ahead of me, they moved to Nashville just to kind of get this ball rolling. Meanwhile, I'm in Evansville, Indiana, raising funds, finishing my degree. I moved to Nashville in 2002. We finished the film. I am able to sell it. This will date you. I'm going back to 2004. So the buyers at that time were 
or I sold it to a group called Artisan Home Entertainment, but their buyers were Blockbuster and Hollywood. Video. Oh. So it kind of kind of dates oh, it a yeah. little bit. But yeah. I get a producer's rep. I go to Los Angeles briefly, try to make a go of it there. That doesn't work out. I was living with two other guys in a one-bedroom apartment. That kind of gives you an idea. And I didn't have a car at the time. So I come back to Tennessee and end up falling in love, man, and kind of stick. All right. Now, once I'm in Tennessee, I'm still trying to be a filmmaker, man. I'm writing, did a couple of short films. And in 2007, 2008, I'm working in a small marketing department. I'm feeling good about myself because I'm getting paid to write, but it's copywriting stuff, menus. It's nothing to be excited about, but I'm writing and getting paid to do it. And 2007, 2008, man, the recession hits. Hard year. It was a two-person marketing department. One of them was a graphic designer. The other one was me. I got let go. And man, it ended up being just one of the biggest blessings of my life because my mother, and and I, I give her this credit all the time, my mother kept pressing me. You know, you love to write. I had been, just some context, I'd been tutoring two kids to be better writers. And the trade-off was their mom would cut my hair. I mean, that was the deal that I had. So she'd give me free haircuts. And you can see, I, I kind of do it with this. So she agrees to cut my hair and I'm teaching them how to be better writers. That, that detail is important because my mom pushes me to take my Praxis Language English Content Knowledge Test. I have no idea what that is. She finds me the link, sets up the date. I take that test and I pass it. Had it in my back pocket, did not care about it, wasn't going to do anything with that. Then I get let go. And probably within 72 hours of being let go and, you know, what I'm about to tell you, I see this newspaper article. And on the front of it is this lady. She's an older black lady and she's got a bullhorn, right? And she's, she's, she's got these knee braces on. She's got this bullhorn. There's kids like swirled around her. And the, the title on the headline was Hard to Fill Schools Offering Combat Pay. That was the title of this particular article. And on the it had veteran educator Julie B. Williams. They brought her out of retirement to save this school called Maplewood yeah. High School. It's in East Nashville. All right. I see that article. I've got that Praxis score, right? Yeah. And I call this lady up. Never met her. Never been in a school. Never done any of that. You know, ne- never been a teacher. And I mean, I call her up, I get the interview literally the next day, no hyperbole, very rough school, tough situation. And I'll never forget, man, she's sitting at her desk and she's eating chicken wings. And, you know, I would find this out later being a principal, man, you got to do what you got to do, right? So she's eating the interviewing (laughs) with the cartilage on this and just having a very candid conversation with this long haired white dude who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. But, you know, she says a couple of choice things to me and instantly we just connected, you know, it was. It was the kind of dialogue that was like, look, they're going to call you a redheaded son of a bee and you're going to send her to me and I'm going to send them right back to you. I need you to figure it out. I mean, that was her message to me at the time. I try to imagine hiring a teacher like that today and having a yeah. candor, but that was it. Yeah. Man, I take the job yeah. sight unseen. I started there the day after spring break in 2008. This is Maplewood High School. I'm now an English teacher for the first time in my life. Oh and, I, and I remember, man, walking in day one, and I wrote on the board, you know, I am not a sub. And, <laughs> and uh, man, it was just so, it was, it was crazy. It was chaotic to the point that uh, I told myself, like, silently, you know, I'm, I'm about to disappoint a lot of people. This isn't going to work. <laughs> but by the end of that week, Friday, by the end of that week, Friday, and there's a lot that happened in that week that's really compelling. 
But by the end of the week, you know, this girl, she's walking out of class this is a Friday. She looks at me and we, we'd had a fair week, man, all things considered. And she said, are you going to stay? And I'll never forget that question, man. Just, just it pierced me, you know. And let's go back to the walk-up song. Like, I'm that dude. Hey, hell yeah, I'm staying. What do you mean? Even though in my mind, I'm thinking, this is just not going to work. But she said that, and it was so genuine. It, it was such a candid, you know, question that, you know, that week turned into nine years at, at Maplewood High School. And I would become teacher, wow. dean of students, assistant principal. I'd meet my mentor there, Dr. Ron Woodard, would really take me under his wing. And that would leverage me into Murray County, Tennessee as principal okay. of Mount Pleasant High School. So I ended up going from Metro Nashville, intense urban inner city. I'm there for nine years. And I rolled the dice. I wanted to be a principal so bad, man. Nashville was going through this hiring freeze. They were getting a new superintendent. So they weren't placing anybody. I'm an assistant principal after three years. I felt like my game was strong. It was tight. I'm ready. I'm hungry. And it was a freeze. I wasn't to be frozen. So I rolled the dice, man, and I moved my family down to Spring Hill, Tennessee, an hour outside of Nashville, approximately, and took a job in a little high school in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, which is a city of about 5,000 people, oh, municipality, wow. but it's right outside of Columbia. And I would stay there for six years. I would become the executive lead principal of that campus, do a lot of amazing things with a lot of amazing people in that time. And then from there, during that time, I start working with a nonprofit called Kids on Stage of Murray County. And Kids on Stage had a big vision for itself and had goals it wanted to achieve. So the long story short is I stepped out of the principalship chair, became executive director for Kids on Stage, really to connect industry and education and give kids, especially I learned this in rural America, fellas, I mean, to give kids an opportunity and simultaneously not shame them for passions and mm -hmm. backgrounds that their families had, you know, that we had really done a disservice to these people, man, in education for a long time. So I'm in that kind of position now where I connect industries to schools, to classrooms, and we do it through these novel challenges that are a lot of fun, but provides feedback that's personalized from the industry to the kids. So doesn't matter if it's a skilled trade, doesn't matter if it's real estate, doesn't matter if it's engineering. We do challenges with all different types of companies, all different types of students in grade level. So I'm in a great position. I love what I'm doing currently. I also get to consult, get to do keynote speaking. I'm the founder of Fit Leaders. We're getting ready to launch our big challenge that's coming mm -hmm. up. So I'm in a lot of different spaces, which is great. And I'll say this, and, and, and I mean this, because I have such a heart and passion for leadership and for principles. Somebody asked me recently, um, stepping out of the seat, you know, what has been the biggest thing it afforded? So beyond time with my son, it's given me the mental bandwidth to create in a way that I just could not do when I, when I had my hands on 10 and two, you know, um, mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. drive that thing. So I'm a guy that can keep rolling too, fellas. So you have to reel me in at times and just hey, tell me that. Whatever works, man, we are totally fine. Hey, speak, you know, you just talked, you just mentioned fit leaders. Talk to us a little bit about fit leaders and, and, and then the, the underdog advocate. Absolutely. Uh, just, just want to understand a yeah. little bit more about that. Under, Underdog's Advocate was uh, just a, this is again, back 08, 09, 010, you know, that space, Underdog's Advocate started to come about during my time at, at Maplewood. I mean, I just saw myself as a, I didn't have a great school experience, man. I was literally a redheaded stepchild. I went to public schools, man. I, I'm not that guy when you say, who was the teacher that inspired you? I didn't meet that person until I was an undergrad. I just did not have a good experience. But, but never hated on the experience. I just didn't resonate with the people who said, yeah, I had this teacher and they changed my life and 
this principal, man, I didn't have any of that. I was ignored. I, I mean, I fell under the radar. That being said, I wanted to take the approach that I was going to seek out and connect with those students that needed that person that I needed at that age. So the underdog's advocate came out of that. I'm also a movie guy. Okay. There's a Pacino movie called The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves. Yep. So I just kind of put oh, yeah. these things together. Now I'm out here advocating for the underdog, fighting for them, moving barriers, pushing them through, creating agency. That would turn into fit leaders in about 2011, 12, 13. I didn't formalize it till around 2016, but I got sober. And even before I completely got sober, I was starting to work out. I mean, and that came from being classroom teacher to dean of students. My mentor, doctor guy named Dr. Ron Woodard, loved the man. He pulls me out of the classroom, makes me dean of students for Maplewood. Tough school, bro. I'm handling 90% discipline, inner city school in Nashville. So I knew I had to be on my A game. I mean, you can't come to work hungover. I mean, you get these yeah. spaces of like, yep, I can do it. I can shoulder it. I've got this under control. Until you realize pretty quickly you don't. If I'm going to operate at a high level, this man's giving me an opportunity. He sees something in me. So I took ownership over that. I scaled the drinking back and started doing the workouts till I got to a point where I just said, I'm done with the period. And I'm going to commit my life to really doing something that looks like this intensely. And Fit Leader was really birthed out of that. The other piece to add about Fit Leaders, because it's not just about my sobriety, man, that's a personal thing. I don't really get into evangelical spaces about that, man, do you just be safe with it and, and live your life. Yep. But there was no space for educators to share fitness stuff at that time. I mean, I mean, really fellas, you guys are at season. I can yeah. tell you that you've been through some things. Go back to 2010, 2011, 2012. You know, you just didn't see people working out in education space right. or running or sharing self-help, mindfulness, taking care. That stuff was frowned upon, man. And people thought I was cringy, weird. What's he doing? But I didn't care, fellas. I treated, you know, Twitter, especially Twitter, Facebook as like a journal. So I'm just journaling it. And if you came to it and got inspired by it, great. The hashtag was born when my wife told me, you know, I was still broke. I'm getting my doctorate at the time, but I had access to a free gym, Trebekah University, where I'm getting my doctorate. Man, I parlayed that. I'm working out at the gym for free at the college. She said, you spend so much time in that gym and you got to do something with that. Man, I don't inspire somebody. The hashtag fit leaders. If I'm going to be in here working out, doing this. I started using the hashtag and one by one, man, we just started pulling educators in from across the country that wanted to find a space where it was comfortable yeah. and free for them, man, to work out and show that, look, I'm doing this and trying to better myself and looking for people that think like me. That's yeah, awesome. That's very cool. What a cool, inspiring story. That, that is fantastic. Let That just moves us right into the, the next question I want to ask about. Just when you think about your overall health, what does being a leader in your health and wellness look like to you? Mm. Yeah, I'm 44. I just turned 44 in October. Um, toughest transition year for me was between 43, 44. No question. My body got stiffer. I now take my blood work real serious. Mm -hmm. Never before, man, I didn't care what my blood work looked like or even going to the doctor. So now I do an annual physical. I get the blood work, man. I analyze it. I ask questions. I look up stuff. So now for me, it is longevity, man. It's about sustainability. When people ask me about being a principal at times, 
I don't even feel like I'm the best one to speak on it because the way I led, fellas, the way I did it, I mean, I was 10 toes down from the front with the receipts, waving the flag, solving the problems. You know, I mean, it's not sustainable. Yeah. No, oh, no, it's I'm, not. I'm, right. no, I'm being I'm being kind of vulnerable yeah. and straight up. Like that's the way yeah. I did it. That's yeah. why at the end, I told, you know, another mentor of mine, a guy that I said, man, when I took this job in 2016, this guy handed me the baton and I took off. I mean, I mean, I'm running as fast as I can. And I felt like I was doing that until one day I wasn't. I I I literally felt like I'm not running as fast as I was. And from then, it was just a kind of a mindset shift. Like, okay, you know, we're going to move from maximizing to optimizing, right? So not just how much, but what is best. So I, I really counsel, especially through fit leaders now, you know, look, man, a guy told me one time, man, you die, they're going to plant a tree for you in the front of the school, man, and that's it. Remember that. <laughs> So you've got people at home that care about you, a son that adores you, a wife that needs you. Remember these people. This is a job, okay? It's a passion for us, a lot of us. I mean, we know that in yep. us, but it yep. is a job Absolutely. at the end of the day. So I know we're going to talk about like the 21-day challenge, but I, I wanted to yep. tell you before I was going to do that, my book was going to be called Don't Let This Job Kill You. I mean, I had the chapter, the outline. That was the title of the book, Don't Let This Job kill you because that's the way i approached the work sure you know just yep. front you know radical candor man i'm going straight into this thing i'm running into the fire so overall health please you know look at life through an optimal lens man what is best you know not how much necessarily but what is best for all of us so that everybody can be healthy and happy at the end of the day yeah, I love that. And what you're talking about and how this job can get take the best of you. But like you said, you, you, you're going to have to realize at some point you can't go, you can't keep going and, and, and driving that hard day after day after day without it affecting your health. And I know, you know, talking to you before the show, that was one of the things for myself. I, mm -hmm. I literally got myself way to, to the point where I was in the emergency room a couple of times thinking I'm having a heart attack all that stuff. So you have to really get to a point in your place to say, and I love how you say it. How can you get to a point to say, I want to optimize in that longevity piece and take care of yourself so you can keep doing the things. And like you said, it's your family. It's your, it could be your spouse, whatever it is. That to me is so important. And I, I so much appreciate what you, what you say there with that. And I hope principals out there too understand wherever you're at, take a look in the mirror and say, what can I do a for myself to start doing that? I just, you, you fire me up, man. I'm all, I'm all jacked up. Well, now, but I wanna, And it's so easy to resonate with what he's saying, because a lot of times when individuals are at the point where, you know, you're trying to advance yourself, your health journey, and you're, you're aware of all these things. It's because of the fact that you were at one point not doing things the right way. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, Hey, I want to, hey, Ryan, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this 21 day, uh, boycott average challenge, which I've, you know, I, I started following, you know, once we, once we started going here with the two principles, I started figuring out, okay, who do I want to, who do I got, who do we, who's out there? And, and one of the things was fit leaders right away. And then finding out that, you know, who you are and an underdog advocate and all that stuff. So tell us about or this 21 day boycott average or challenge. What, what is that? What inspired that? And I, I know you, you got one starting coming up here, right? In the next couple of days, I think. So 
Fit Leaders has been around, and again, it feels like you know almost a decade about. And we've got some core group members, you know, people like Valerie Chavez. You can find her on Twitter, man. Oh yeah, we follow her. Some of these folks, bro, that have been down with the movement for a long time that I that I consider, you know, damn near blood relatives. They're they're just they're they're so cool. Well, this is a watershed moment for us that's coming up. Um, This will be Fit Leaders' first you know, subscription based challenge. Okay. So there's some, there's some skin in the game now for people. We've got the really wide funnel challenge, which is our monthly deal. Okay. We release a calendar. It's pretty much cardio based, but that's the top of the funnel that can get anybody in that's offered free monthly for everybody, man, jump in, play, join the movement. Okay. However, I'm now ready in 2024 to help people go deep man, to get to the abyss even, to really find what that thing is that's gripping them, all right? So the 21-day challenge, man, is centered around the hero's journey. If you haven't heard of it, that's Joseph Campbell, man, hero's journey, like what Star Wars is built around. You know, it's a narrative storytelling framework, right? But the hero's journey always starts with what is that thing that you've been refusing to do you know you need to do it but you've been refusing putting it off for whatever reason okay could be personal could be professional you know if you're luke man skywalker he wants to see the galaxy man he wants to get away he don't want to be a farm dude right his uncle always like man you got to stay here until the farm and he wants to get out of here until he meets that supernatural aid and that comes in the form of a mentor of obi-wan kenobi right in our scenario here, that's fit leaders. You've been avoiding something, refusing it, but you know you need to do it. And you know what? If I just had a guy, a mentor to help walk me through this journey, to be there with me when I go down to the abyss, you know, if your problem is drinking and we don't have to stay on that, man, if your problem is working too much, you're a workaholic, yeah. you know, that's the symptom, friends. This program in 21 days, brother, we're going to get you down to the abyss to identify what is that root cause. You know, maybe it's a social acceptance, man. I was never really accepted as a kid. So I always had to fight for receipts and show that I was good enough. And that has turned into being a workaholic and trying to constantly prove my worth and my value. We're going to help get you there, but also give you the tools and strategies along the way to keep it once you come back. So I'm taking you deeper into the fit leaders mindset with this particular challenge. Man, it's got a correlated workbook component with it. By the end of it, when you're finished, man, you have this document of yourself that's going to be imperative going forward, man. You will use this thing sustainably throughout. So I'm super excited about it. It launches for the whole community in February. We now have a beta group of 10 different fit leaders throughout the country, everybody from superintendents, central office staffers, principals taking it right now. And then we release it to the whole community in February. But you can see I'm a little fired up about it, man, because I do think it's. Yeah. Yeah. Just so I have a better understanding. Are you talking about the like talk about the logistics of it? I mean, you're talking about like synchronous work, like like you're you're getting on on a on a on a a video call like this and you're doing work with people. Great point. No, that that's further. Okay. The filter. That's great. Great question, Kev. That's further down the filter. So this is 100% automated because my goal is to, okay. you know, fit in the yeah. way we've done it right now, man. I'm, 
you know, through Twitter, man, I can impact so many people. You can, you know, sure. right. Yeah. But I'm really trying to impact that scale. How can we get yeah. this to as many people as possible? So it's completely automated. Once you okay. sign up for it and you say, hey, I'm ready. Okay. And we hit go. Day zero is in your inbox instantly. And day zero Got gives it. you the workbook and preps you for the next 21 days. The following day, day one, you're off to the races. But it's all in email form. So you're going to get the overarching okay. question. You're going to get some really good theory. I mean, I'm a research guy. So we've got everybody in there from Maslow to Daniel Payne to historical figures. It's all research-based in the theory section. Then we give it into our daily activities. One, two, three. The whole thing designed to be done in 30 minutes a day. Of the okay. three daily activities, there will be one physical component, and it can all be done without a gym or a weight room. Okay. So there's a lot of body movement, a lot of kinesthetics, a lot of breathing. I mean, you'd be surprised just how many people don't know that much about breathing techniques. And it's a yeah. game changer, fellas. When I learned how to yeah, breathe, bro, yeah. bro, my core, my trans abdominal muscles, everything changed, man, when I figured out truly how to breathe. So we get all of that baked in there while also walking you through the hero's journey, man, of better understanding yourself what's going on with you, how to address it, how those behaviors have affected other people, how to circle back and repair that stuff. It's all in this challenge, bro. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's cool. You got me at the right time to come on. Yeah. All I know. And it's coming it, together for me at this time. So it's, it's, yeah. And I hope all, all the people that are listening, I hope they, they take advantage of that. Cause sometimes what, what it does take is it takes something like this to get you started, to get you going. And to have that that piece where you're talking about where every day you're going to get something to you, it's almost like a, a little uh, you know coach there and helps you through that. That is so powerful. That's so cool. So, man, take advantage of this. Sign up for it. Do it. I, I, I always, you know, I'll be, you know, sometimes I'll be scrolling through Twitter and all of a sudden I see something from you, Ryan, and I'm like, yep. I got, I got to go work out, man. I, I can't sit here and not do it. So, you know, those are the little inspirational things. Those are the things you do, but this, that I really love how you've packaged this up. And I think that's going to be really, really beneficial for those that, that take advantage yeah, of that. And awesome. I got to give, hey, give some credit, man. I'd be remiss if I didn't, um, you know, I've got a partner in crime in this. His name is Dr. Alan Martinette. Um, he's an MIT scientist, man. He's a chemist by trade, uh, but just one of the smartest men I've met, man. He's got a great story too. He's out of Detroit. And we linked up a couple of years ago. He built a really cool platform that I use for my challenges with industry. Healthwise offers a wide range of mental health services. So now that once he got in the mix and I really saw and started to understand. Healthwise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. Located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Healthwise is ready and able to assist you with becoming the best version of yourself. And now back to the show. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. Hey, really quick, Flex Friday. You know, Friday's coming up. Tell me why it's important to flex on Friday. What, 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 what's because I know I got my little thing that I do Flex Friday. But you tell me about yeah. Uh, man, you know, you that's, know that's, that's, that's a loaded question, but I'm gonna give it to you. You know, yeah. Flex Friday is gonna mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For some people, man, we flex just because we made it. You know, hard as job is. Yeah. You know who I'm dealing with. You know what my board is like. You know, for some people, it's just man, I made it to Friday. I'm yeah. on everybody because you didn't kill me. And for some of us, 
It's not. I hit this PR. Man, I'm flexing today. For some of us, it's I'm going out tonight. I got a date, fellas. So it, it really just means a lot to a different people. But I'm, I'm a big believer in this. Let's anchor it with this, okay? I heard this statement one time. I'll never forget it. You know, joy is a form of resistance, okay? So be joyful in the face of your haters. Man, just be joyful. It's a form of resistance. You know, you want to you don't want that toxic negativity, man, going to your liver, man, going to your kidneys. Expel that, man. Be joyful. Flex on Friday. Show them how far you've come. Show them you've made it. Show them they'll have to wait another day to take you out because you're still here and it's Friday and I'm logging off. Whatever that is for you, flex, be joyful because it is a form of resistance. Hey, I love That's it. Great. That's I great. I love it. Let's move in to a topic that Jason and I really, really was kind of the the foundation and the the catalyst for why we started doing this. One of the components that we we really really are passionate about is spreading the message about mental health and and trying to reduce that stigma and really just opening up communication about it and 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 making it okay okay to talk about and and. So just general question, what, what, when you think of the term mental health, what is that? What's your relationship with that term? What does that mean to you? Mm. Man, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is peace of mind. Um, you know, just, okay. so what is peace of, what is peace of mind and how do I get it? Right. And that's gonna, again, that spectrum is going to be pretty broad friends, but as somebody who himself, you know, has been afflicted with alcoholism, you know, genetically predisposed for that, who doesn't realize his own ADHD diagnosis until adulthood into his 40s. And then you're like trying to piece together the past, you know, generation of your life and, and answer questions. Man, mental health, I think is paramount right now. Man, that's the first thing we should be talking about. You know, I'm working with one of the more powerful realtors in the state of Tennessee, Middle Tennessee especially, and he's like, you know what? Off top, we offer our employees X amount of weeks of, of, of days off because we know they need to be to their family. We're going to mm-hmm. ask them to give their best here. We have to take care of our people in these other areas of their life. So my wife and I both work with therapists. I mean, I think that's important to talk about. Man, seek, it, seek therapy, man. Yep. Get that stuff off of you, you know. And you can't rely on just the people that are closest to you to constantly dump and burden with that information. Get a professional, somebody who knows what they're doing to help you take care of that stuff. So I think we are in a time now more than ever that if we're not careful, the burnout rate is only going to exponentially create this divide that we've already got an education of. We can't fill these positions, right? You can't fill teaching positions soon. It's principal, super, you know, superintendents, man, yep. are falling off. That average is dropping almost purely, oh, yeah. it seems like. So I think we can't talk about it enough. And I appreciate you guys kind of being the tip of the spear on that and saying, yep, we need to talk about it. It's important to talk about it. If you haven't read Arnold's new book, man, it's called Be Useful. And I'm talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's got a new book called Be Useful, Seven Rules, Seven Tools for Life. And in there, man, he just gets really vulnerable about some things. And it just touched me in a way where I thought, you know, if this is a guy that I grew up idolizing, that was larger than life, that's now in the twilight, you know, telling me, man, it's, it's okay to be vulnerable. You know, it's okay to have these kind of conversations and be honest about what's really going on with you. I'm going to equate yeah. it to, fellas, and this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to equate it to your blood work. 
And I know I brought that up earlier, but blood work, mental health, and they're, 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 they're two sides of the same coin. And what I mean is, you know, you look at me and say, dang, Jack, you look good today, man. You look healthy. Things are great. But we don't know what my blood work says. We don't know what's really going on until you get in there and do the work and analyze the results. Same thing with mental health. And again, it's a large spectrum for mental health, friends. But let's just talk about that average principle that's trying to be great, wants to do good things, and they think they got it until they don't. And the problem is when you don't, man, it's on you really fast and it's hard to climb out of. So look for the signs, burn out, seek therapy, take time off. I mean, the problems are going to be there. The emails are going to be there. The fires are going to be there. Take that time off, man. Do what you need to do to ensure your own health. That's good. And you, you kind of mentioned some things here that might kind of lead into this next question. But being in the position that you're in, having access to all the leaders that, that you work with, what are some trends that you've seen during your time when it comes to mental health? I'm definitely, I think, just seeing a shift from, you know, me to we to start. Let's kind yeah. of start there. I'm, I'm kind of from that era of cavalier leaders. You know, we had, you know, remember, friends, social media just starting to kind of take off as we're transitioning into that space. So you were going to carve out your lane and my school. And and I'm all about branding. In fact, I love, you know, Lynette and Dr. Renee Bryan, if you're not following there, tell your story mm -hmm. at branding. I mean, I think it's important. You want to tell your story, control your narrative so somebody else doesn't. But it's not just you. We have got to be inclusive in terms of we versus me. And then that turns into getting some of that and delegating and not all of it on your shoulders. You know, I grew up with a mentor who would just tell me, look, as the leader, you can't share those things with people. And that was really instilled in me. You had to hold those cards, all of them super close, you know, and not let anything out. And I think those days are behind us, man. You get you a great team man. you, you know, disaggregate that work. And share the load would be one of the biggest trends that I think I've seen most recently. That's good. It's good insight. I like that. Absolutely. And like you said, mental health is just as important. If not, you know, you think about uh, physical health, right? Taking care of your physical health, taking care of your mental health. Well, a lot of the things you're doing with maybe taking care of yourself when it comes to exercise, working out, well, that's also going to help with your mental health mm -hmm. as well, too. But I think the key piece you said there, and, and one of the things that you know, we're pretty grateful. We we're partnered by Healthwise here in Maple Grove. They're a, you know, a, a mental health holistic uh, business here. Uh, and so we get access to, you know, therapists, holistic, holistic practitioners and all that stuff, but it's okay to go see yeah. somebody. I mean, that's the thing I keep telling principals all the time when I'm talking to principals, Hey, it's okay to go see somebody that doesn't make you, you know, cause it's, it's like you said, Oh, am I weak right. or am I? No, you know what? You're strong, dude. You're, mm -hmm. you're strong. If you can go out yeah, and reach courage. out and that's say, courageous. Hey, I need some help. Yeah, it's courageous. So that's the thing. And I think that mental health piece is so important. And I, lo I love what you said there. I want to switch into kind of, you were talking about burnout and, you know, the other piece that we were, we, you know, Kevin and I are like talking about is, you know, you know, balance. I know work-life balance, it's that, that, that term might be, it's hard to do, but it's the wellness piece of work-life and how, well, first of all, let's just talk about you and you personally, what, how do you balance your personal life and work life to stay kind of in that, in, in that good space? How do you do that? I was not good at that until recently. And I'm going to give you kind of case in point. Um, 
I've read a couple of really cool books back to back, both by the same dude, Cal Newport, right? Cal Newport wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. I would really advise people to read that. That's about the craftsman mindset. It's about what am I good at, not what am I passionate about? And I use that really now when speaking with kids, especially like, let's talk about your strengths, what you're good at. Not that you just love basketball. Let's talk about what you're really good at. Okay. So craftsman mindset, but he wrote another book called deep work. Okay. And deep work is about how do we create value? How do we like eliminate these distractions and really get into these spaces where we can create things like the 21 day boycott average? How do we do that? All right. Well, Newport gave me a tool, man, that I have been using now for months. And fellas, I'm here to tell you, I've fallen in love with it. And it applies to that work-life balance question. All right. So he's got this theory. He's got this, this tool that, and it's empirically based, man, neuroscience research based. You work your day and you set the end of your day at a specific time, 5.30, 6.30, whatever that's going to be. Now, if you know it's going to be a long one, man, I got stuff then set it to 7.30, but at 7.30, that's it. It's over. That's the end of the day. And then you do everything else. I'm dad, I'm husband, I'm friend, I'm doing this. Okay. And you have to be intentional about shutting that off. Now I'm going somewhere with this. He says, when you do that, you've turned that off. I'm this other guy now. I'm, I'm home dad now. I'm home guy now. You have now taken all of those challenges, all of those problems, my biggest problem is principles, bro. I didn't sleep. I couldn't go to bed. I could never mm -hmm. fall asleep. I'm just, you know, I know I got to meet that parent. I know I got that board member. I know I got that thing. I was an executive lead principal. So I had two other principals under me on this campus. I mean, just, it's always something. So I can't go to sleep. Newport taught me, trained me, showed me. You, you turn that off, 5.30, 6.30, and everything you're trying to solve now, goes from your conscious brain to your subconscious brain and your and my friends google it look it up the subconscious brain so much more powerful of an engine to solve complex problems you will start waking up with epiphanies epiphanies will hit you midday where in the hell did that come from man your conscious brain is working that rubik's cube for you you do not have to do that work in real time. Let the bigger part of your brain handle those complex problems and give yourself to your people, your family, and enjoy your life. I mean, that's a legit tool that's neuroscience-based, friends, that I have been yep. doing now for months. I love it. It's just a great way to live life, man. You turn that day off and know if you're a guy like me, you know, my, my, my brain's got it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm good. He's, he's working on it back there in, in the background. That's, that's the program is running. I'm just here playing with you guys, man. I don't have to think anything about it. And the next thing you know, man, you're just getting idea, idea, epiphany. That's the answer. Okay. So that's been my big thing, especially for work-life balance. Know when to turn that off. Set that time. And once that time hits, that timer, everybody else has to wait because I'm with these people right now. That's... That's so great. We, we we give that message a lot, and, and that's something Jason and I talk about all the time. And and I think the hard part is, you know, one thing that we we've come to you know have conversations about is I think people are afraid that they're going to be judged. There's 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 this old there's this old guard, this old mentality of of you got to be the martyr, you got to be the guy that 
stays in the building till seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, you got to be the first one there. You got to be you the last keep, one to man, leave. Right. You make the big buck. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> right. Right. And so we're trying to, we're trying to knock that down a little bit. And so that resonates with me a lot. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, you know, for, for sure. You know, I, I love the quote, you know, there's, there's, there's the memes and all that, but the one that, Man, the only person that's going to remember you stayed in that building until 11, bro, was your nine-year-old. Everybody else already forgot. Yep. You know, and, and I've certainly ah. burned a lot of those nights, so it does resonate with me. And that's why I told you guys, I don't always feel kind of like the best person to even counsel, although maybe looking at it, you know, in hindsight now, I guess I am, but that's not the way I led. I, I led like yeah. this, and it's it's hard, you know, and, it, and it's painful. Yeah. Um, don't, don't do that necessarily, you know figure out how to leverage that passion, but know when to turn it off so that you can be with your people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love it. Hey, let's talk a little bit about, you know, routines. And I think routines are so important and they help create boundaries and, and, and what you're saying is how to shut it off and the boundaries and the routines, but what does a typical morning routine look like for you? And maybe an after work routine look like to you and, and, and maybe even the typical weekend and, and, what do you got to say about man, that? Don't, don't, uh, don't ask me where the quote came from, but I, I love the quote, you know, show me a man with a routine. I'll show you an ambitious person, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely that kind of person. I believe in systems. I believe in building systems and then implementing them and then running those systems. I'm glad you asked about the morning one because I have been fine tuning that as of late. I get up about 545. I live in Tennessee, middle Tennessee. So 545, it's pre-dawn. Um, that start my day starts with a 25 minute stretching protocol. So it's usually in the dark in my living room on a one inch thick foam mat. I'm stretching in there, no sound, just some eucalyptus oil there on my on my temples, and I'm going through a 25 minute primarily lower back stretching protocol. It's helped me greatly. So I do that for 25 minutes. I get up. I drink the first pint of water for the day, always getting in 16 ounces of water immediately after wake up or right after my stretching finish the water and I'm going outside. So I go from stretching pre-dawn. Now the sun is coming up and this is all kind of timed for me. So as I'm going outside, I grab my jump rope and you'll catch videos of me doing that too. But I'm outside for two reasons. One, I'm getting the sunlight. I'm setting my circadian rhythm for the day, right? I'm letting nobody know the sun is coming up in about 14 hours. I'm going to be going to bed. So I'm setting that circadian rhythm and then I'm hitting the jump rope to kickstart that metabolism for the day, all right? I finish that, I come back inside, I dedicate 15 minutes to reading right after that. So I wanna go from reading, I mean, jump roping, getting my heart rate up, metabolism, now I'm sitting here and I'm clocking 15 minutes of reading, usually gonna be a self-help book. Soon as that dinger goes off, I get my son up, get him ready, get him on the bus. Soon as the bus hits, I get in a 1.5 mile ruck almost every day. It's going to be a weighted vest, about 20 pounds, typically just really brisk walking. I may do some intermittent just sprints in there, but it's mostly just hardcore rucking, working up a good core, you know, sweat there, come home and then nap. Man, I'm jacked for work now at that point, right? It's almost nine o'clock. Boom. I'm hitting the ground running. Like, here we go. End of the day for me. And I'm, I'm glad you asked about that too. You know, so end of the day for me, and it just kind of depends on where I am and what's going on for that particular day. But if I'm home, by the time my wife gets home, she's a teacher. So she's coming home at just an average time a teacher would get home. Then I'm carving out a little space to walk with her, right? She's always going to, she's got a goal of daily steps. So I usually want to get that daily step in walk with her. 
By this time, my son is coming off the bus. I'm greeting him. This is stuff I never used to be able to do, fellas. So mm-hmm. Sorry if I'm sharing gory details. No, no. I good. love it. That's what it's all about, my, my friend. My getting off the bus. Now we're fist bumping and how'd your day go? And I'm unpacking his backpack. And did you eat what I made you for lunch? Because I made it. And <laughs> so it's just that kind of stuff, you know, and it's just being dad in that moment. And, and by that time, fellas, I've turned it off. You know, when, I, when I'm there in that space, again, depending on what kind of day it is, that's, sure. that's, that's over for me. I am 100% here. Or if it's not that, that I'm doing two hour blocks with them and then I'm finishing whatever I had just to get it done out of the way. But I'm carving out that family time, man, especially after they get home from their days. I want to be present. Mm-hmm. I can hear about it. I'm all ears. Give it to me because I never used to be that person. So I want, I'm, I'm making up for a lot of lost time there. I love it. It's very, very intentional. And I think that's a key word, folks, is you're very intentional in what you're doing, purposeful, uh, and it's helping you out. The other word that comes to mind, and I know you, you haven't really talked about it, but I know you do talk about it, is the whole mindfulness piece. And I, I, that is something that I've been working on for years now. I'm married to, I call her a mindfulness guru. But that, that whole piece about mindfulness and being present and really feeling your body and feeling your emotions and just some of the things you're talking about there just brought me to uh, the whole concept of just being a mindful leader and just, or just a mindful. Person. No, I, I love it. I'm glad you brought it up. It, you know, mindfulness is one of those funny things because it means so many different things to so many different people, but I think you're absolutely right. And again, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention recently back to mental health and mindfulness, you know, I've, I've started a social media sabbatical one day a week. Okay. And that's no big deal. Man, I just don't get on social medias on Sundays, but I never used to do that. It was every day. I'm on there. I'm promoting. I'm celebrating the school. I'm doing that. You know, so being mindful, man, that, hey, you may want to take a step back from these things because it's affecting your mental health. Whether you really understand it or not, you can start to kind of tell. So I think that kind of mindfulness, yes, I love your, your comment about intentionality. That's everything from the breathing to why I'm doing the jump roping, to why I'm getting cardio in. I never used to do that stuff. I was all just weightlifting, bodybuilding, and deadlifting, you know, 500 pounds. Like, I'm, dude told me I look like a T-bone steak one time. You know, I'm thin, but he deadlift 500 pounds. And that was just my whole vision. That's who I am. Now I stretch, you know, stretching? You're doing what, dude? I didn't stretch for 10 years, okay? I'm working out intensely, but it's six days a week. I never stretch. And it caught me, fellas, at 43 years old. It's by the spine, like, you know, you will start stretching or you will never work out again. So now I stretch and I put myself through the poses and the Phoenix pose. I mean, I'm doing all the cat cow, man. I can get into it. I do it in the dark and nobody sees me. And you notice I don't post that stuff on social media (laughs) because it's important and I'm very intentional about it. Yeah, I, I for me, a yoga has been something too. Or that's that's another practice that I've, you know, been involved with, and I do. And and the, the whole thing, the concept of stretching, and and what that does, and the benefits of it. And so, just love that. So, um, anything that you would you would tell leaders out there, or principals out there, um, just in, when it comes to maybe just a simple like maybe there's a there's a principal out there that says, you know what, right? I want to. I want to start uh, working out or what's advice would you give maybe about the physical fitness part of it or even the nutritional side of it? What would you say to somebody out there that says, Hey, where would I start? What would I do? 
Man, we'll start on the physical fitness piece. You know, just just take action. Just just start. If it was really about information, we'd all be fit because it's out there. You know, you can, yeah. you know, um, hell, man, AI, anybody with free chat, be GPT version can ask it to to put yourself a, a routine and it'll do it. You have it, you know. So it's really just about taking action. And the reality is if you just start with walking, the ideas that come from walking, wild walking, Stuff will come to you. Next thing, uh, you're you're walking, but you see Dr. J with a ruck vest on. What is that? Man, ruck adds 20 pounds to your walk. It's going to hit your glutes. It's going to hit your hammies. It's going to get those hip flexors going. I mean, you start graduating, right? So now you're stacking days. I walked six days this week. Dude, nice. I'm thinking about giving me one of those ruck vests. Man, it just starts to kind of steamroll. So take action. If the gym's not your thing, don't get in there. Man, let it be cardio. Let it be push-ups, whatever that is, but take action. On the nutrition side of thing, which is a much hairier topic, what we put in our body, what we prefer, you know, my thing would be moderation for one thing. I'll give you some of my non-negotiables. I mean, alcohol is one for me because I'm sober, but I don't do sucralose, which is an artificial sweetener. It's unfortunately in a lot of stuff, but it jacks up your gut microbiome. It hurts digestion terribly. So I don't do sucralose at all, and I don't do high fructose corn syrup, which is in a lot of stuff too. But those are the non-negotiables for me. So I'm sticking to those unless my wife has me on a really crazy diet like she does right now. I'm kind of eating whatever I'm sensible about eating. I just avoid those three non-negotiables for me. So I would kind of ask yourself, at least do one non-negotiable because the brain research shows it's so powerful when... You do something you don't want to do and vice versa, okay? I don't want to get in that cold shower, man. And then you do it. (laughs) Game changer. Yeah. Man, I love Dr. Pepper. Fellas, I grew up Mr. P of Dr. Pepper. Man, that's my drink. You know, I mean, I can still taste it, but I got to give it up. You know, I can watch my wife just down one in my face. And I just, you know, but I know that I'm getting more power by not drinking that because I'm choosing not to. So, Pick that one non-negotiable for you and kind of stick with that and start adding those things to your repertoire. Outside of that, go see your doctor. Annual physical is a must, especially if you're 40 plus, but I'd really say 35. Get that annual physical, get blood work, analyze that blood work, do your research, get familiar with the terms. Men, know your body, know yourself so we can optimize, no longer focus on maximize. Love it. Love it. Love it. And that's, that's so important, you know, as principals and, and leaders out there, anybody that's listening, you know, like you said, take care of yourself, look inside We talk about it on this show all the time. It starts with you. It doesn't start with anybody else. It starts with you. So you got to take care of that. I I love your advice there. Thanks for sharing. I want to flip it on you guys just real quick and I'll be brief. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really into this thing right now. This, this zero sum game, you know, this came from, from Arnold's book. Um, you know, you guys got a podcast. I'm digging this vibe, man. You guys are doing a great job. I love the setup here. You know, podcasts are popular, right? This is a really cool yeah. concept. I love the two P's pod. That's super cool. Um, but, you know, everybody can win in this game, fellas. And that's what I want principals to understand, too. Like, we don't have to compete against each other. We don't have to safeguard these ideas or is this better than... Look, if you're doing good work and inspiring people and empowering people and creating agency for people, man, that's what I'm talking about. You know, working with a lady trying to do a jail project. We're trying to get some grant funding. She said something to change my life. She said, look, if we had all the money today 
and all the people helping that we wanted, we still couldn't do it all. It still wouldn't be enough. So friends, we're all in this together, man. It does not have to be a zero-sum game. Let's help each other out. We support, we encourage, uplift. That's Fit Leaders, friends, right there in a nutshell. Well, that's a perfect, perfect segue into my next question because it's all about leadership. And um, I want to know what does leadership mean to you? And and how do you build and sustain positive culture? Uh, what advice would you give educational leaders? I mean, you're you're living it. So I told the kids this last night in the Columbia Mayor's Youth Council, I say this in my keynotes, I distill leadership down to a simple sentence. Leadership is the art of influence. You're either influencing people or you're not. And my friends, I've known superintendents, principals, central office staffers, buddy, they weren't influencing anybody, man. So the title's not always going to anoint you as leader. Leadership is the art of influence. You are either influencing and impacting people or you are not. It's as simple as that for me. So that influence is going to look so different. It's so contextual in these different leadership environments and ecospheres. Only the leader that's sitting in that seat kind of knows what that looks like for them. But be intentional, be personable, be as charismatic as you can be. But at the very least, be open, be vulnerable, be honest, be a human being. Going forward, friends, remember I said that. That's going to be such an important statement. Just be a human being to people. That's what they need nine times out of ten. They want to be heard. Sometimes they do legitimately need help. Yeah, they need you to come in and help this problem that only you could solve. But sometimes that help just comes in the form of being an ear. You know, advice can be toxic. Just listen to me, man. That's what people want so much of the time. So be a human being, friends, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Let me ask you a tricky question. All right. In your opinion, are leaders born or are they created? Can you learn it? Can you learn all those things that you just talked about? Can you can you learn the art of influence? Can you take somebody that that doesn't know anything about it? You know, I did a, my dissertation, I created a thing called the competitive teaching model at the time. I'm working in Maplewood High School, and I had these class v. class competitions for writing assessments. And I mean, these kids in the inner city, they didn't want to write persuasive essays. Man, I got them fired up about writing persuasive essays because we were going to kick that teacher's butt across the hall. We are doing these class yeah. v. class. So as I'm presenting, I remember one of the advisors on the dissertation team, she asked me a similar question. She says, you know, I don't know if this is uh, replicable, right? Because is it Dr. Jackson or is it a model? To your question, to your point. Yep. And I think, because I am the underdog's advocate, bro, because I do opt to see the best in people first. What our man Covey saying, man, presume positive intent, mm -hmm. right? I believe they're not born, my friend. I believe we can make leaders. I believe you can be trained, you can be taught, you can humble yourself, you can learn. Is everyone going to have this energy, man? Is everybody, man, I hope not. I wouldn't want to be around 30 other dudes like me in the same room. So that doesn't have to be your shit. That doesn't have to be your thing. This is natural, friends. It's not an act. Like my wife does yeah. with yeah. it all the time. So that's not going to be everybody's bag, but it doesn't have to look like that shade. So I do think, I mean, I do think you're not going to fall into it. Like, yeah, well, yeah, one day I turned into an amazing leader because I had that innately. I mean, I think you're going to have innate right. things in you, 
buddy, I can do a keynote right now from the top of the dome. And you're going to say, man, you didn't even say, that's an innate skill. God gave me that talent, man. I, I didn't even have to prep for that. But when I put the visual up, when I put the story together and the way I weave it, that's a skill that I learned over time and how to do. My speaking ability and charisma was innate. So I think each of us is going to have these innate strengths. I love the book Strength Finder. I was a big fan of that coming up. And learn to leverage those strengths. Humble yourself, learn, build, grow. So to answer your question with a fine point, I believe that we can make great leaders. I really do. Yeah. You articulated that very well. I, I, that was that was really good. Um, speaking of leaders, um, talk to me about some of the challenges that you're seeing in in your space. Uh, what are what are some of the challenges leaders are facing right now? Well, you know, you know, you get hyper local, man. You could talk, you know, voucher bills, bro. That's that's in, in the public ed space, and and I won't stand on either side, but that's just afflicting a lot of people right now. So mm-hmm. we're seeing that. We're seeing the shortages. I mean, hand over fist. You know, my wife works in one of the most affluent counties in the state. And whereas, you know, I was serving in one of the more rural, poorer ones, but even in her county, we, we laugh and it's a sad laugh, not a happy one. Like we can't even fill them at this school. I mean, so it's no longer just, I don't want to go work there. So the, you know, the, just the retrition rate, man, keeping people, mm-hmm. keeping people healthy and happy in the profession. So even those that are going to stay like, well, I've got my 25 and I only need five more. Well, how can we help optimize that experience instead of just hanging on for five more and making it a rough experience for everybody? So I think some of that is really crippling people right now. And then, you know, overall, I don't ever put stuff on young people, man. I just really don't because it's not their fault. They're born into this situation. But now more than ever, I feel like the divide between young kids and current crop of leaders, even teachers, that chasm's pretty wide. And I think Mm -hmm. we're just in this space of taking time for that threshold to kind of close up a little bit, meaning we've got to get more young people into the profession. We have to get rid of these archaic ways of doing things. And we've said that for a long time, but now the young people are going to take us to task on doing that, or they're just not going to enter the profession. Okay. So a lot of that is going to have to change, I think, as the model of education changes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the principalship just in general, like you said, it's, you know, it's that pipeline. If, if we're not going to help build and grow and sustain uh, people to get into this profession, we got to do a good job too talking about this profession. I can sit and bitch and complain and all that stuff and say all this bad, but at the end, that's not going to do, that's not going to do me any good. It's going to do nobody else good. I got to take on. And like you said, optimize myself to take care of myself so I can be better for myself, most importantly, but then be better for those I'm going out to serve and going out to do. And if we're doing that, we can continually grow this profession, grow teachers, grow principals and and superintendents and we gotta that's the message that we got to get out there this is a great gig this is a Mm -hmm. this is you get to connect with you get to connect with people you get to build relationships with people you get to be fired up and in in like you were saying dr j influence man you get to influence people so i just we got to do a really good job of promoting this and, and and making this something that we need we need these young kids. Jason, you, you, you said something that was baked in there, man. That's important. And I don't I don't want to overlook it. You know, this is a great gig. And I'm gonna tell you why, man. Because even when it's hard, even when it's incredibly hard, 
it can train us, dude. And here's where I'm going with that. You know, I love the idea of self-discipline, okay? But we get mad sometimes. Like, you know, somebody does something that pisses us off or they, they do something they don't like, we get frustrated. Well, what are we supposed to do? Exercise self-discipline. We should be thankful. Man, thank you, man, for training me, for allowing me to exercise my self-discipline. And I'll go to that specifically with how hard the principalship can be. Man, on my toughest days, I looked at it as like, you just gave me a lot of fuel to hit this workout at 4 p.m., man. <laughs> I hit 500 pounds today, but I guarantee you I'm getting in that. You know, you've got to be able to frame it in those kind of ways and do a little reverse psychology on yourself. But you said it, man. I've got to put myself yeah. in a better position to lead the way I need to be leading and to help people as much as I can. So when we view things like that, and when we view joy as a form of resistance, man, we can remain happy. We can remain sustainably healthy and still do really hard work. We can still do these hard things because the hardness of the job isn't going away anytime soon. And it's not just about embracing that hard work. It's about taking care of yourself and seeing that hard work as a way to maintain self-discipline to continue taking care of yourself. There's a way you can loop it, man, to the positive. I'm telling you, and we're going to yep. get there. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Hey, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, and I know you've referenced some of these, but and and the thing that I love about what you said earlier too is just like Kevin and I, we're we're just a couple of principals, a couple of guys that live and breathe and trying to do good, spread good, and all that stuff. But we know there's so many other good things going on mm -hmm. out there. I never, we don't, we're not, I'm not trying to compete. We're not trying to compete with it. Hey, let's get all this good stuff out there. Let's just, I want to, I want to share all the good stuff. So do you have any like favorite leadership could be, or health and wellness resources, books, podcasts, people, apps, all that stuff. And then I want to follow up with, with a, a, a personal question about role models in your life. Yeah. So currently I'm listening to, I'm a Spotify guy. I'm listening to Tim Ferriss, his podcast. And if you're not familiar with Ferris, he wrote the four hour body, the four hour workday and tools for Titans, but his podcast gold standard for me. So he, he interviews, you know, world-class performers, right? High level dudes, P Dr. Peter Atia, Schwarzenegger, et cetera, man, just world-class performers in their profession. And he's the one who taught me, man, you don't judge a person by their answers. You judge them by their questions. I mean, he's always asking just great questions. I learned so many takeaways on how to interview, talk to others, bring things out of people through his questioning. Man, the other one would be the Huberman Lab podcast. If you haven't dug into that, man, that's super cool stuff. It's it's a bit on the nerdy side, and you really kind of got to dig into it and be in the right headspace. But I love that kind of stuff. So I'm a Huberman Lab, you know, guy. Cal Newport, in terms of author, authors, I'm reading his book, Digital Minimalism, right? I'm so good they can't ignore you. It's an amazing book. Please get that if you have it. And then Deep Work is really cool too. I am in this space where I'm only buying books now that I know I will read. So I do self-help book in the morning, and then I'm reading a book called Musashi, which is historical fiction about Edo period, Japan, the greatest swordsman that ever lived. I read that at nighttime. So I'm only buying books that I know I'm going to be reading that right now versus I can get in the habit, friends, and just go nuts. But those podcasts, Cal Newport is an author, man, is a great thinker. You know, as far as, you know, education specific, 
man, I was never really one of those guys that just kind of dug into that. I love John Hattie's work. I believe in him because of his empirical research. Man, I love stuff that's rooted in science, that's real. You can point to it. You can touch it. You know, touchy-feely is just is not necessarily my forte. But um, a, lot, a lot of good authors out there that do that stuff too. Love it. How about like when you're thinking about the people that have inspired you, who've been there for you, uh, you know, today I heard a, a speaker talk about, you know, nobody gets to where they are by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's somebody giving them a helping hand. It's somebody giving them a push, someone guiding them to get to where you are. And I look at you and I look at all the success where you're at right now, but there, there has to be people in your life, role models, mentors that have impacted you. Who are some of those folks and, and why are they important to you? Man, first and foremost, my wife, Leticia Skay Jackson, born in Malawi, Africa. I moved here when she was three years old, uh, just earned her PhD I'm in the literacy curriculum studies. She's an amazing human being. And quite honestly, man, the person that helped me get sober, just flat out. She came into my life at the right time. I believe she was delivered to me divinely. And I do my best every single day, man, to, to make that relationship what it is because she's amazing. So I'm going to give her credit just for that. I mean, she really helped me get through a threshold and change who I am. Outside of that, Dr. Ron Woodard, Ron L. Woodard, my mentor, met him while at Maplewood High School. That school was in a terrible way. My first couple of years there, teacher, I'm just hanging on, trying to make it into Ron Woodard like like the Tasmanian devil. And he changes that culture. He empowers me. You know, I'm young, I got the hair, I'm wearing these fancy suits, I couldn't be told nothing. And Ron, man, he's as tough as they come, but he let me be me. He let me be me. He never harnessed that. He just never had any sense of jealousy, weirdness. Man, he just always promoted and encouraged me. I love that kind of leadership. You know, as long as I did my job, I handled my business. He was like, man, do you, buddy? And he supported that. I want to be that kind of leader for people. So I'm definitely bigging up my wife, Leticia Skate Jackson, and Dr. Ron L. Woodard, who's currently doing his thing in Missouri, in a, in a, in a district there, Springfield, Missouri, I believe, in central office. But he's a big mentor for me. Cool. That's good. Awesome. We are going to wrap this thing up with one final question, and it's a very, very broad question, so you can kind of interpret it as you will. Um, what is one single piece of advice that you would like listeners to take away from your message, your, your dedication, the, 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 the stuff that you're trying to spread out into the world? What is one single piece of advice that they could implement tomorrow? It's not over until you say it is. It's not, man. It's not over until you say it is. So if, it's not, if you say it's not over, I don't care if you're flat on your back. Man, I was flat on my back. I had an old Navy peacoat as a blanket staring up looking at a popcorn ceiling sleeping on the floor man i still didn't think it was over and i'm drinking way too much at that time still didn't think it was over because the morning always brought a new day i love that quote by colin powell man just the morning promises that new day just get me to the morning i think his quote is something like that just get me to the morning man just get me to the morning man you know it's not over until you say it is i realize the odds are stacked against you I realize your back is against the wall. I realize you feel like you don't have any friends right now. It's not over until you say it is. Keep swinging. <laughs> Man, that's that's a great way to end right there. Uh, listen, Dr. J, we got to thank you for your time. Um, we are so grateful for the conversation, the laughs, the learning. It, it is very apparent to me. You know, I, I met you an hour and 17 minutes ago. 
And it is very apparent to me that you are doing the absolute thing that you are supposed to be doing on this planet. Um, it is very clear to me that you are right where you're supposed to be and, and given the message that, that is, that needs to be heard. And so I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your, your message, the, the, the idea behind the resiliency and just, just everything. I just really appreciate what you're all about. Um, just can't say enough. Thanks. Can't say I appreciate enough. that message, man. I really, that does not fall on deaf ears, buddy. Thank you. It does mean a lot. Yeah. Hey, Dr. J, if, if listeners want to connect with you, and we'll put this in the show notes and all that other stuff, but where, where, if the best place to connect with Dr. J, I, there's someone out there listening that says, hey, I want to get in touch with this guy. I want to learn more about the 21-day challenge or whatever that may be. Uh, where, can they, where can they find you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on X, Twitter, at uh, Ryan B. Jackson 1. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook you know, Ryan at fitleaders.us. They can email me there. If they want specifics on the challenge, you can DM me at Ryan B. Jackson one. That's my Twitter, my X handle, all of them. I'm on all socials, and I'm the kind of guy that does respond. I get in there and mix it up with you, especially if you're curious and you want to get better, man. I'm the guy that's going to try to help you out. Hey, I will say that. And I told Kevin when I, when I started connecting with you and back and forth, I'm like, I want to get this guy. I want to get this guy on the show. And you know, you, we're we're relatively new. You know, Pod, we've been out there for a year, and we're we're talking about you know the principalship and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you today, you fired me up. Oh, you know, yeah. sometimes you go through a day and you're kind of like, oh man, I got my ass kicked today. But you know what you did today? You inspired me again today, and you fired me up. So I hope the principals out there, the leaders out there, man, listen to this guy. You got a lot. Like Kevin said, you're. You've been placed here for a reason and you're doing what you're doing. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. I hope we can stay connected in, 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 in whatever way, but we so much appreciate you today being on the two principles pod, man. Grateful for you. And man, until next time, folks, remember it starts with you. Thank you, fellas. Take care. Everybody. Appreciate it.